on the back of your bulletins, you'll see phone number. If you would like to text through a question during the talk, please feel free to do so and I will receive it. If it's too hard, I'll pretend it didn't arrive. <laughs> but if it's a, you know, nice, easy one, I'll try and answer it. Now, I like to learn things, but I prefer to learn things the easy way. Uh, when I came to Park Road, um, almost a year ago now, I came with the intention to learn to speak Mandarin. I even downloaded an app that teaches you to speak Mandarin. Lots of Mandarin speakers in this part of Sydney want to learn Mandarin. Unfortunately, I realised learning a new language is really, really hard. I'd like to get fitter. Uh, but I would like to get fit the easy way. If you happen to know that way, please share it with me. I would be happy to learn it. I have an aversion to push-ups. However, I do not have an aversion to chips. <laughs> All the really important and life-changing lessons that we learn, we learn through experience. And often those important and life-changing lessons are learned through difficult experiences. We are going to consider the place of discipline in the Christian life this morning. And it begins in chapter 12. And the word therefore, always a very good lesson, you may have heard this before, if you find therefore printed on a piece of paper in a sentence, you need to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, he's, as Ali mentioned in, the old, in chapter 11, the preceding chapter, the writer has listed a number of well-known Old Testament figures. Uh, they are witnesses or examples of those who endured a great deal, uh, often suffering very much, waiting patiently for the coming of Jesus. And the writer goes on to say, given these examples of enduring faith uh, that patiently trusts in God, he says, let us do three things. There are three let us that I want us to see in verse 1, verse 2 and verse 7. Firstly, let us throw off Everything that hinders. Verse 2, let us run the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And verse 7, let us endure hardship as discipline. The Christian life is likened to a running race. Now, I took the time this week to interview someone who kindly was willing to subject himself to this interview, uh, who ran a very long run some time ago. You, you may know Mick, you may have know about his run. Some of you who haven't been here for very long may not know Mick and may not know about the run that he did. So he's going to tell us about it. Two steps paradise. Uh, to raise money for uh, Alzheimer's research. Mick, tell us about the big run you completed in 2013. Yeah, so in 2013, um, in June, I, I set off from Sydney and ran to Service Paradise uh, to raise money for uh, Alzheimer's research. Uh, and it was roughly, it was over 14 days, uh, roughly about 60 to 70 k's a day. Uh, non-stop, uh, day after day, until I got 
from Sydney to Surfers Paradise. Uh, and at the end, I finished it off with a marathon the day after. So rounded out to about 900 kilometres. What did you set your mind on uh, when things got tough throughout the run? Uh, there was two things I did. Uh, I would break the day down into 10 minute increments. So uh, every 10 minutes I would have a, a drink of water or uh, you know, um, some food. Uh, and uh, during those times, uh, you're by yourself uh, and it kind of got a bit lonely. So I actually spent a lot of time praying uh, and uh, praying to God that he'd keep me alive on the road because it's pretty busy. Uh, and that uh, it stopped me from going insane being by myself for so long. And for this run, what did you wear? So I had a bit of an interesting outfit. It was a basic runner's outfit, just running shorts, running, running top, kept me pretty light. Uh, but I had a high views vest on because I was on the major highways. And uh, really long socks, and they were compression socks to stop my legs from swelling up from day to day. And of course, running shoes. Okay, so first thing he says here, let us throw off everything, verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. See, to run the race unhindered, to run as fast as possible, or just to keep on going in the race, you need to get rid of everything that makes running harder. Now, Mick didn't wear a suit and tie to do his run. Uh, didn't wear business shoes, because that might have been, you know, might have made him look more professional as he did his run. He didn't wear flowing robes. He wore the bare minimum. Simple. Bit of high-vis just to protect himself, but keep it shorts, t-shirt, bit of high-vis. He didn't wear anything that would make running this race any harder. Life is described here as like a race. It's not likened to any other sport. It's not likened to um, soccer or rugby league or to golf. The rules of running are very simple. There's a start, there's a straight line, there's a finish line. Run, don't stop. Unlike golf. Now, in my golf bag, I have 14 golf clubs. I keep a copy of the rules of golf. I have an umbrella, I have pencils, tees, golf balls, a texter so that I can mark my ball so that if I find it somewhere, I know it's mine and not somebody else's. Uh, I have ball markers, pitch repairs, if I make a you know, small divot in the green, wet weather gear, and a few other things besides. There is lots to carry. I'll often have a drink bottle as well if it's hot. Lots to carry when you're playing golf. But the run that the writer to the Hebrews says life is like, he says just run. Do not carry with you lots and lots of stuff. And he says, in particular, don't try and carry your sin along with you. Those things which Jesus' death took away are only going to be dead weight to you now as you live the Christian life. They will do you no good. They will only take you off course. We need to ask the question, as we seek to live the Christian life, what sins do we carry along on the race? What sins do we feel that we can't or won't put down. Sins that maybe are a burden to us, that are weighing us down. Maybe meaning that we barely move forward in this run that we are 
enduring as we live the Christian life. The word in the Bible uh, used to describe the Christian's relationship to sin is the word repent, repentance. It means to, to put it to death, to make a break with sin, to, by the empowering of God's Holy Spirit, leave behind as much as we can the sins that so easily entangle us as we try and live a life for God? Are you carrying things along with you as you try and run this race that is the Christian life? See, this life we live is not easy. The Christian life is not easy. But the way the writer to the Hebrews puts it, it is quite simple. Well, the second, let us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The trajectory of the Christian life, I think, could be described as one of moving from shame to glory. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. There are many people around who will suggest that the Christian life in this life is one of glory through to or going on to even greater glory in the life to come. Uh, people who suggest that are actually lying. The life of Jesus is here held up as the pattern for us. And the original readers of this letter have suffered. They've endured quite a bit. Not to the point of their blood having been shed on account of violence, chapter 12, verse 4. But they have suffered, chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. He writes, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. In the midst of this, they are to fix their eyes on Jesus as they suffer. Now, I... Uh, I've been away on holidays the last couple of weeks and uh, we drove not just to the Gold Coast, we drove beyond the Gold Coast uh, another couple of hours or so to Maruchidor. Uh, and, you know, there was a few times between here and the Gold Coast driving in the car that I nearly gave up the will to live. I can't imagine running it. I mean, sure, Mick didn't have three kids running behind him, but, you know, that was, that was me driving up to the, the Gold Coast. Uh, and he mentioned in the video just kind of breaking time into those 10-minute increments, pressing further and further on, at times praying. I guess he would have had in mind the goal of getting where he was going, the reason for doing it, which was raising money for a, a worthy cause. But the writer to the Hebrews says to them they need to fix their eyes on Jesus when they are called upon to suffer. The third let us in this passage is found in verse 7. Endure hardship, he says. Endure hardship as discipline. Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. 
How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Notice carefully what he says in verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. I think this is a crucially important verse for the Christian life. I think a crucially important command. When bad things come our way, he says, treat it. View it, consider it as an opportunity to be kept close to God, to be trained, to be disciplined, to be brought back to God. That is, I take it he's saying hardship will come to us for a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, we may do something foolish or wrong and be disciplined as a result. Uh, I, I know people who have developed lung cancer who have never smoked in their life. Uh, some examples, however, of our uh, the hardship we face will be examples of we have done something and there are consequences. If if you uh, a lifetime of smoking will increase your chances for lung cancer. Uh, if you break the law and are caught, you, you will be disciplined, punished. But of course, there are other times when there is no link that we can see between our hardship and our specific actions. I think he is saying that even in those cases where we don't know why it's happened to us, even in those instances where we cannot see that God has done something or brought something in our path specifically because of some reason, he says, endure that situation, consider it, benefit from it even, as a form of God's discipline a form of his training he is keeping you close he says benefit from the bad thing as an opportunity to be kept close to God we tend to think of the word discipline as simply being some negative consequence that we apply when somebody has uh, done something wrong but discipline is not just something that we do not just something bad that we impose on as a negative consequence for negative behaviour. Uh, parents are always disciplining their children, but they do it in different ways. Uh, take, for example, if you have a young child and you're teaching them to be safe near the road. Uh, very important. I'm pretty much nearly sort of past that stage of life where I'm trying to teach my children about safety near a road. But if I'm walking across the road or approaching a road with my child and they run across the road and happen to survive, when I catch up with them on the other side, I will deliver to them a smack. Uh, and I will say to them that that smack is a very small proportion of the pain you would have felt if a vehicle had come into your path. That's an example of discipline, bringing negative consequences in response to wrongdoing. But of course, there's another form of discipline that we always can use. Uh, I'm talking to the child as we approach the road. We're coming near to a road and I say, okay, what are we going to do here? And I'm talking to them. I may hold their hand. So that's a, a kind of form of restraint and training and discipline as I hold them. And I say, well, what are we going to do now? We need to check this way and check that way. I'm disciplining them, not by some negative consequences, but I am, in a sense, training them. 
And this is how the Bible views God's discipline. His constant training. Training by God to keep us close to him, to keep us on the path. And Hebrews 12.7 is so important, I think. It's a crucial verse for our lives. He's saying benefit from the things that happen to you. Treat them, even if you don't know why they have come. And very often we don't know why hard things have come to us. Just regardless. Treat it, benefit from it as an opportunity to be kept close to God. We might think, why does God use hard things to discipline us, to train us? And I think if we're really honest, I think we would say that we don't really learn many spiritual lessons from the good things that happen to us, from the good times. I don't think we are our most spiritually, we're not learning big lessons, I think, during the easy times. We may be thankful to God for the good things that happen, but I don't think we learn the big lessons during the times of ease. In fact, we're most likely to forget God a bit when things are going along pretty well. This passage calls us to keep on running, come what may, with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, I'm very thankful that Mick was happy to be interviewed for this talk, but as remarkable as his achievement was, don't fix your eyes on Mick. (laughs) Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because it is Jesus who suffered so much for you. He endured what he endured at the hands of people, an unjust and painful death to take away your sins and mine. Heavenly Father, you only know the hardships that we have been through, the hardships that we are going through, and the ones that we don't even yet see coming around the corner. And we pray that we might consider these things, treat them and benefit from them as your training and discipline. We pray in thanks for Jesus who endured so much at the hands of sinful people so that he might save us. We pray that we might keep running, fixing our eyes on him. We ask it in his name. Amen.